Um, Brian, if you would, go ahead and pass those books out. They're, they're $3 a, a copy. If you cannot afford a copy, then just take one anyway. If you can, then give Josh the money after Sunday school today or sometime today if you can. And um, uh, you, might, you might only need one per couple. Uh, what I'm going to do is make some copies um, every Sunday morning, so that way maybe one couple can fill in in the book and one couple or the other one can, uh, can um, uh, fill it out in here. Yeah, Brother Josh. Now, if you need a pen, raise your hand. If you need a pen, raise your hand. Brother Josh will give you one, but please do me a favor and just put those back on the table afterwards. Uh, if you forget and take it home, it's not the end of the world, but uh, I have a feeling there's probably stacks of these pens at people's houses because uh, we're going through them. <laughs> do you? Okay, guilty. What do they say? You shoot a gun into a pack of dogs, the one that's hit will howl. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. But if you if you take one, uh, they're here to use. They're here to use. But um, <laughs> this many pens. Yeah. All right. Well, now I know who the culprit is. No. Hey, does anybody want a copy? Here, you can give these out to anybody too. That's a copy of the first lesson. So if if somebody you know if, if you didn't get a book and you want to kind of follow along, it would help because a lot of the verses are there. So if you didn't get a book, maybe just take a copy and see if you use it. And um, if you don't, you don't. But uh, All right, I'm excited about this. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 2. And what I'd like you to do, I know that a lot of these verses are written out in here. Um, but I would like you to turn in your Bible if you can. I know it gets kind of awkward when you're holding your Bible and a book. And these books are pretty... Uh, pretty rigid, so they don't just kind of stay open by themselves, but maybe if you've got a seat next to you, set your Bible in that and hold the book in your hand or something like that, but I'm excited about this series. I'm, I'm teaching it just as much to my wife as I am to anybody else. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but uh, I think this is something that's going to be good for all of us, um, and, and I'm going to take my time going through this. Now, you look through your book. You can look in the front of the book, and you can see that it's uh, 12 weeks, technically, um, I am not in a hurry to get this thing done in 12 weeks, and if it takes us two weeks on a lesson or two weeks on every lesson, we'll do it, you know. Um, this is something that's so important, it's so foundational, it's so, um, it's so necessary. Um, if we don't have marriages that are strong, then our families can't be strong. Right. You know, the marriage is the foundation of the family, the family is the foundation of the church, and the church is the foundation of a community. Right? So if we're going to have strong communities, if we're going to see God do something in America and, and keep you know, our communities strong and keep our churches strong, it all starts with the family, and the family starts with the marriage. So if you don't have a strong marriage, then all of it collapses. So it's very, very important. It's very important. And so we're going to go all the way back to the basics, talk about kind of the very beginning of, um, of marriage and what its foundations are and uh, what you should be building on, and then we're going to build on those things. And all of these are going to be recorded. We're going to put them on the website. Um, I've actually had a couple people that, that don't go to church here that, you know, I, I posted the, the, uh, the little promo thing on Facebook and Instagram, and I had a couple people say, hey, are you going to record this? And I said, well, I think we do anyway, but I'll have Josh make sure that we do, and we'll put it on, uh, on, on, on our website. By the way, We've been having some issues with our, um, our website, and, 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 and by the way, by the way, go to the website. There's a lot of stuff on there. I try to keep it as, as updated as we can. I try to keep it very current. 
Um, but we've been having some issues. With, what we do is we have a website, and then we have a separate sermon page. So, like, when you click on sermons, it'll take you to a different site. Um, and the guy that's been running that, I, I don't know what's going on with it, but it's just not. Like, if you've gone on there to, to listen to a message, whatever message Josh puts on last, it, it copies over all of the rest of the messages and makes it that message. So... And he's trying to get a hold of these people and, and just can't. So what we're going to do, and, and he's already started doing this, and probably you've noticed it, but um, um, Apple Podcasts, um, basically any place that host, hosts a podcast, we have a podcast of all the messages. So what we're going to do is switch completely over to that. So all of the messages will be on podcast. The only problem with that is when you, when you put a podcast online, it usually takes about a day or so before they actually upload it. So, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So it, it did it quick. Okay. So there's a possibility, but it can take up to a day for it to get on there. With this with this website that we had been using, he could put it on, and it's it's there right now. So he's been putting it on right after the service, so it's available. But we're gonna switch for, over from from that one, put everything on podcast, and so you'll be able to get it on any device. It will have a link of, link to it on the website and all of that kind of stuff. But um, all of these will be on there too. So if you know somebody, and look, I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm not even, I didn't even come up with most of this material. I'm, we're teaching through a series. And um, so, uh, but it's, it's, it's stuff that can be helpful for anybody. So if you have kids that are married or, you know, uh, kids that are teenagers that are getting close to being, you know, someday being married, you know, it's, it's, it's all good for all of us. So, you know, if you really want to get to know somebody, um, you just go on an extended trip together, Right. I traveled in the singing group for our, for our college. They called it the college ensemble. And what we did was we went to different churches, and they didn't advertise for the college really in any other way than taking the singing group around. We'd go to a church like ours. The, the, the group would sing. The, the leader of the group would get up and preach, and then we would give them information about the college if they want to. I'll tell you one thing. You spend three months with somebody in a van all day, every day, you get to know them really well. And uh, better than you want to know them, really. And, uh, uh, but, you know, when you, when you go on a trip, even as a family together, right, uh, you know your spouse, especially if you've been married for any length of time. I think everybody that's in here has been married at least five or ten years. Yeah, at least, if, if not more than that. We're going on 13 in, in December. Um, but you spend time together. Uh, travel has a way of drawing out people's personalities, right? Ask JJ. We went on a trip together. Uh, he was like, oh, I figured out the pastor's pretty competitive, you know? And, and I am. I am. I mean, we didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't hit anybody or anything like that over wrong answers. But, uh, you know, you go on a trip with anybody together, and, and that's kind of, that, those things are going to come out just because of the time that you spend there, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's all kinds of different things, but... Um, I remember uh, specifically um, when when we go on vacation, when we when we go on a trip, we we kind of have completely different ideas of of what a vacation is. Becca wants to go and sit back and do absolutely nothing. No, it's vacation. Let's just sit here and do nothing. And I'm like, man, this is vacation. Let's go out and do something. You know, we got time to do it. You know, let's go to this place and that place. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And she says, that's not vacation. We're busy. We're moving. We're doing all kinds of stuff. You know, um, I mean, we we all have you know, different opinions about 
uh, what we'd like to do on vacation and what, what a trip entails and, and what, you know, what a good vacation is and all of that stuff. But I think a lot, of, a lot of couples begin marriage with the idea that marriage is the destination. And, uh, I mean, you see that the title of this thing is Dream Destination. And we don't, you know, we don't ex- express it. We wouldn't say it out loud necessarily, but there's a lot of people... Um, we approach our wedding with the subconscious expectation that once we say the I do's at the, at the altar, we finally arrived, that's the end of it. Uh, you know, the journey was all the way up to getting married. Now we're married and, and, and life is just going to be perfectly peaceful and blissful and everything else, right? Um, but along the way, perhaps, even on our honeymoon, we discover that... that uh, as wonderful as marriage may be, it's more of a journey than it is a destination. Um, I, I remember hearing some stories of some, you know, I, we grew up in a college church, and I, and I say that um, it was a church that had a pretty large college, and so you had a lot of kids that came through there, and of course a lot of them ended up getting married while they're there, and they usually came back at least for a short period of time before they left to go to whatever ministry they were going to, and I heard some honeymoon stories, I can tell you, boy, um, and one in particular, and this, I mean, this doesn't necessarily have anything to, to, to do with, you know, okay, marriage is terrible, but um, you remember Pastor Whitaker, he came through here, and we support him. They started a church in Idaho. He said they were on their honeymoon, and uh, they were driving somewhere, and they had gotten into a little bit of an argument. It wasn't much of an argument, but they were just kind of, you know, at odds with each other a little bit, and he was driving, and he went to reach into the back seat to grab something. And they had kind of, everything had kind of settled down a little bit, but, you know, they still weren't, like, talking. Uh, everything wasn't back to 100% normal, you know, and they were starting to realize, okay, this marriage thing is going to be more than just, you know, uh, honeymoon the whole time. He went to reach into the back seat to grab something out of the back seat at the same time that she turned around to grab something out of the back seat, and he elbowed her in the side of the head so hard it almost knocked her out. <laughs> and he said, boy, she thought for sure that I had done it on purpose. You know, he's like, I, didn't, I did not know that she was doing that. He's like, but we started laughing about it, and that was kind of the thing then that, you know, that brought us out of this little, you know, argument thing. But, uh, you know, it, I think that's the way that it is for a lot of us, and, and I don't know if you could even remember back to your honeymoon, but, um, you know, it, it's like a long road trip, the kind, of, the kind of trip that you're excited for the destination uh, you love making memories along the way, and sometimes you get annoyed with aspects of the journey, right? There are things that people don't like about traveling. There are things that people do like about traveling, and, and a lot of it is the destination. But marriage is a long journey, but God intended it to be the kind of journey that actually gets better the longer we stay on it, right? And if you look back at your marriage from the time that you got married to today, I, I hope you could say that things have gotten better, but that's usually, you know, most people would say that. I'm more in love today than I was when I got married. I thought I knew what love was when I got married. Now I'm starting to finally understand 20 years later what love really is, right? Um, and that's, you know, so um, you, you might not believe that marriage could possibly get any better than that when you, when you were in your first few months of marriage together. Or you might be in the, in the other side of things and, and, you know, convinced that marriage gets nothing but worse over time, you know? That's the way you look at a lot of people in the world, and that's the way that they view it, you know? Yeah, the old lady back home, you know, I'm just, you know, whatever. Or, you know, they just, they, it's, uh, marriage is something that you just endure, you know? We're, we're staying together for the sake of the kids, you know? Uh, and, and sadly, that's the way that a lot of people live their lives and, and, and live their marriage. And it's, it's not the way that God intended it to be. Um, marriage should be an incredible journey. And I'm not going to pretend that every single day of marriage is filled with, 
you know, these heart-eyed emojis and stuff, you know, but, but it, it should be and it can be um, uh, the, the euphoria, I guess you could call it, of being on the honeymoon and all of that stuff eventually settles in uh, to real-life routines, to real-life challenges, and, and that's when things get difficult. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's just kind of funny that, you know, the whole dating, I, the idea of dating and everything else is it almost gives you a false sense of what marriage really is because dating is all about, you know, nothing but love letters and, you know, uh, doing all of these romantic things to try to win their heart. And then you get married and all of a sudden it stops. You don't have to do it anymore. Right. But why is that? Why is that? Marriage ought to be something where we're constantly trying to, especially for husbands, constantly trying to win the heart of our wife. And the same thing for wives, you know? Constantly trying to win her husband's heart. But all of a sudden, we get married and it stops, you know? And then we go on, well, we get married, we go on the honeymoon, oh, this is great. And then bills start coming, you know? Then you got to figure out, you know, then kids start coming. Right? And, and life just changes. And as it changes, a lot of times marriage changes too. I used to think, you know, how could somebody be married for 35 years? And I've mentioned this before, but how could somebody be married for 35 years and then get divorced? I mean, you, you made it 35 years. Don't you think you can make it another 10 or 15 till you both croak? You know? No, we're going to get divorced. We just, we're not compatible together anymore. We can't do it, you know? But I started thinking, what, what is it that makes somebody stay together for 35 years and then get divorced? Well, I think part of it is culture says divorce is the only option. This is perfectly normal. 35 years ago, or maybe I should say 25 years ago, when you were 10 years into your marriage, it wasn't that acceptable, so nobody really did it. But now that, you know, 35 years later, you've been together, and ah, we just can't make this work. I think what happens is you spend so much time working on everything else instead of the marriage. And then, you know... The kids, like I say, the kids come along and your, your life gets revolving around those kids and wrapped completely up in those kids. And now the kids are out of the house. They're married. They got their own families. They're not coming around as much as they used to, you know, when they were in college or just out of college. And, and now it's just the two of you and you have no idea what to do. You don't even know the other person, right? Who, who is this person? And then you start trying to get to learn each other again. And then you realize that ah, we're not compatible so you split up and get divorced like somebody who's only been married for three or four years because essentially you have. You were married for two years, then the kids came and you were basically just living together and now you've been married for two years after the kids are gone. And we, well, we can't make it work. So, you know, marriage should not be that way. Marriage ought to be something that's a wonderful thing. Marriage ought to be something that lasts through thick and thin. Marriage ought to be something that, that is enduring for good. So, you know, some of the best experiences of couples happen when you're in the middle of those moments, the real life moments, when you can see and receive God's grace through each other. And by the way, that's what marriage is about, too. Um, we're going to get to this, but marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. Well, I give, I give 50%, you give 50%. No, marriage is a 100-100 proposition. You give all of yourself, and whether your spouse gives all of themselves or not. This is a hundred hundred proposition. We're both to give everything that we have to the marriage. And you know, when that happens and when when you when you are living your life in humility, that's exactly what it comes down to. But when you're living your life in humility and you know you know that 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 you know you deserve for for them to be mad at you for something and they're not, or they forgive you for something that, you know, 
Boy, that would be hard to forgive anybody for, you know. What ends up happening is you see that grace. And, you know, marriage, not, not all marriage has the kind of moments that you want to post on social media. Um, by the way, that's another thing that we need to watch out for. What happens so often is everybody's trying to live everybody else's social media life. You know, you see these pictures on social media, and man, they've got everything together. Everything's perfect. What's wrong with my life? Something's not right. Their life is perfect. You know, what's wrong with me? No, what, they, what, they're, don't, what they're showing you on social media is the one little square in their house that's actually straight. And they're taking a picture with that in the background, right? And they probably had to move all kinds of stuff out of the way to get that one perfect picture, too. And that's what they're going to post. And, and, you know, okay. I don't, I'm not a big social media person. I don't, I don't really like all of that stuff anyway. But what happens is, man, I, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. My, her husband does this. Her husband does that. His wife does this. His wife does that. How come you don't do those things? And you start living your life through a social media comparison when all they're showing you is the perfect parts of their marriage. Look, you have lots of perfect parts in your marriage, too. And if all you did was show everybody those perfect parts, people would think the same thing about you, right? You've got to be so careful about, you know, uh, uh, number one, about social media in general, but number two, about trying to live your life through somebody else's social media posts. They're only showing you the perfect parts. And if we're trying to emulate that perfect part, thinking that it's the entire thing is perfect, then we're going to set expectations for our husband or our wife that are not realistic. And that's, that, that's going to blow a lot of things. But by the way, that was, that was just, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. It's not, um, you know, it's, I don't even know if a pet peeve is the right word, but it's just, it's kind of one of those things where we try to make everybody believe that everything's perfect and it's not. And then everybody else sees that and now they got to make their life perfect and, oh, we got to go do this and we got to do that to make our life perfect too. When, when the life that you're trying to copy is not perfect either. And then you're setting unrealistic expectations. But I said all that to say that no marriage has all of those picture-perfect social media posts, you know, kind of moments when, um, when the journey is shared by two people who desire to walk in God's ways, are determined to stay faithful to one another. They can be years that get more and more wonderful with every passing anniversary. And a, a great marriage, just like a, a great travel experience, doesn't just happen. It takes planning. It takes willingness. And look, some people are planners and some people are not. And if you're not, then, you know, you try to all of a sudden over plan things and now you're throwing everything off, you know. For our, like when we go on trips, we don't have, her, Becca's sister is, and, and her family is kind of that way. They know every minute of every day of every trip that they're going to take. They know exactly where they're going to be at this time and everything else. And, and that works for them. For us, we're just going to go. This is where we end up, and whatever's free around there, we'll do it. You know, that's kind of how we do it, you know. And so if, if we all of a sudden sat down on it and, all right, we're going on this trip, and we're going to plan every single minute of this trip, it just it wouldn't feel right for us. And it would just feel like forced. And it just, so, you know, all, all I'm saying is a, a journey, a marriage journey is the same way that you take a physical journey. Sometimes you plan it out and it works and everything else. Sometimes the, 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 the best trips are the ones that you don't plan out. Uh, that's what we did on our honeymoon. We, it, we loved it, you know. A lot of people fly out to some destination and stay there for 10 days and then fly back. 
We didn't even know. I know we were going to spend the first two nights was in Virginia Beach, and that's where we went. And then after that, we had 10 days to do whatever we wanted to do. So we just started down the coast. We went down, and we knew we wanted to end up in Florida for a couple days. So uh, we, uh, we used Priceline. We got married in December. So we used Priceline, and we ended up staying at Hyatt's and Hilton's and all of these things right on the ocean for like 65 bucks a night. It was great. Now, you couldn't get in the water. Uh, you could, it, was, it was nice enough by the time we started getting more south that you could go out onto the beach and stuff like that. You just couldn't get into the water. But we went down to uh, Charleston. We went to Myrtle Beach. We went to Daytona Beach. We went to St. Pete Beach. We went to um, where else? I mean, we went all over the place. And what we did was you can book on, on Priceline all the way up until 6 o'clock of the night that you wanted to stay in, the, in that hotel. So what we would do is we would get the hotel at 6 o'clock. We'd spend the night there, spend the whole day there the next day. And if we liked it, you could rebook that same room. So we ended up doing that a couple times. and I mean, it was great. And we made our way back up the coast, stopped at all these different, you know, big-name places. St. Augustine, we stayed there. Uh, and then ended the last night in Virginia Beach and came home. And it was great. Nothing was planned, but uh, that's, just, that's just how we are, you know. We, we don't like to have every single minute planned on a trip. And so, you, you know, your marriage doesn't have to be, every single moment has to be planned out and all that stuff. But that's the, kind of the idea of this, this whole series that we're going to go through is just a, a biblically focused guide to help us uh, invest in the areas that are going to help make for an amazing journey together. Um, marriage is designed by God. And if God designed marriage, then he designed marriage to be perfect. Now, none of us are perfect, and we're never going to have a perfect marriage, but we ought to get it close. God's design is perfect, and God's intention for our marriage is perfect. We're the ones that mess that up sometimes, but it can be as close to perfect as possible because that's the way that God designed it, right? So let's, uh, let's get into this then. And first of all, we'll see this, the idea of marriage, the idea of marriage. Have you or your spouse ever argued about who came up with a good idea? That was my idea. No, it wasn't. I was the one that gave you the idea, and then you took it and said that it was your idea, right? I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of people doing this kind of stuff. That's fine, you know? <laughs> huh, that just happened last night, you know? But uh, marriage isn't just a good idea. It's an incredible idea, and it was God's, okay? We didn't come up with that. Man didn't come up with the idea of marriage. In Proverbs chapter 30... Um, verse 18 and 19. Uh, and, and in fact, I should have read. Uh, let's, let's go back and read. Um, no, we're going to get to it in a second. Never mind. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 18 and 19. Turn there in your Bible if you can. If not, you do have it on your sheet there in front of you. Uh, it has it in the books and on that separate sheet. But Solomon lists things, and, and this is funny because we just, a couple Wednesday nights ago, uh, we did Proverbs 30 as our uh, proverb that we got the questions from. Uh, and it says this, there be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. He says that there's things that are too wonderful, and then he defines wonderful as things which I know not. In other words, the things that are full of wonder, mind-blowing, uh, astonishing. And what does he say at the end of that list? The way of a man with a maid. Right, a man and his wife, just the way that they work together, the way that they, it's just it's just an astonishing thing. It's a wonderful thing, something that's 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 too amazing for me to even understand is what he's saying. So uh, the mystery and the intricacy of marriage, as God designed it, is miraculous. 
Um, it's incredible in its beauty, in its magnificence, in its tenderness. And that's the way that God designed it to be. We read about the first wedding in Genesis chapter 2. You can see that, verse number 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now, I will say this. That is a pet peeve of mine. Everybody calls it a help meet. A help meet is not a word. Everybody says, oh, yep, got my help meet with me today. It's not a help meet. Help meet for him. That means a, a help fit for him. Uh, I, I, my, my wife, and she knows too because people say, yeah, my help meet. I got my help meet with me. No, it's not a help meet. That's not a noun. It's a help fit for him. But anyway, let's move on. But it says, the Lord God says, not good that man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Could you imagine that? And this, is, this doesn't have anything to do with, with marriage necessarily, but could you imagine that, the job that Adam was given? I mean, you know how hard it is to come up with the names of three kids, Right? let alone every animal that ever walked the face of the earth. So giraffe, cow, horse, dog, cat, those were names that Adam gave to those animals, and they're still here today. But Adam had to come up with all those names. I mean, how do you come up with those names, you know? What, I mean, what makes you name it a giraffe, you know? Or what makes you name it a lion or whatever else, you know? Uh, when Adam was naming all those animals, everything was still completely tame. They, they were still living in a perfect Garden of Eden, which means the, the lions didn't try to eat you. The snakes weren't out there trying to bite you. You know, the spiders weren't trying to suck your blood and all that kind of They weren't doing that. Uh, everything was perfect. And so it's not like he said, whoa, that, that thing growls like that. I'll call that a lion. You know, he's a man eater. You know, uh, they, they didn't have that stuff. But anyway, he had that job of naming all of those creatures and whatever he called them, that was the name. Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now there's a lot in that passage, and we're going to break that passage down, but it's so significant, this passage, that it was referenced no less than four times in the New Testament by Jesus Christ. Four times Jesus referenced this passage about a man leaving his father and mother, cleaving unto his wife. There's a lot of truth that's packed into those verses Truth about God, truth about marriage, truth about building a God-honoring marriage, loving your spouse. Um, but if we learn nothing else from that passage, we can see that God created marriage, right? God didn't create Adam and then create Eve, and they just happened to be walking along, and whoa, Adam saw Eve, and they decided to start dating and, and get married, right? God created Eve specifically to be a help fit for Adam, because Adam, by the way, this was not after the fall. This was before the fall. God said, it's not good that man should live alone. This was not something that was caused by the fall. So in other words, this is something that God created in his perfect plan for mankind. Marriage is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we see that, first of all, the uh, letter A in your, in your books, marriage was created by God. It was God who said that Adam shouldn't be alone. 
Uh, it was God who made Eve. It was God who brought them together in this sacred union that would bring about this uh, mutual satisfaction. Marriage originated in the heart of God who perfectly designed it and beautifully created it. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 7. And I'm, I apologize. I think I have most of the verses that you have. Yeah, but um, if I read a verse that you don't have there, you can just write it down and go back and look at it later. But Mark chapter 10 and verse number 7. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And they twain, those two of those, shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Now we use that often. Um, in a marriage ceremony, because it's such a perfect description of what marriage is. Uh, and as the originator of marriage, God has purposes for it. And as we discover those purposes, and as we live out those purposes, we are experiencing marriage the way that God meant marriage to be experienced. By the way, marriage gets off track when we try to do it our own way. And there's a lot of ways that men try to do it on their own, you know. Uh, well, this ain't working, so I'm going to get a divorce. And look what it does to the family. Look what it does to the kids, you know? Um, well, I love this man, so I'm going to go marry him. Or I love this woman, so I'm going to go marry her. You know, two men, two women. God didn't design marriage to be that way. And when man starts trying to do what he wants to with marriage outside of God's plan, it's like, it's like taking a, uh, you know, you get a, a box in the mail and you're going to put a desk together and you have all the instructions and you just say, eh, forget the instructions. I think this piece would look good here. Oh, this one would look good here. And just start slapping them together wherever you want to put them. You know what you're going to end up with? You're not going to end up with something that's beautiful. You're going to end up with a mess that you're going to either have to tear apart and throw away or re, you know, deconstruct and put back together the right way. Which, by the way, you put something together the wrong way, it can be deconstructed and put back together the right way. And that's what happens a lot of times. When, when our marriages are built on the wrong foundation, we have to deconstruct that, that, that what we've built and then build it on the right foundation. Uh, but marriage was created by God. And then the second thing we'll see is that it was designed by God. And unfortunately, we're out of time this morning. I knew I wasn't going to get very far, especially kind of trying to introduce this course and everything or this series. And um, uh, so we'll finish up. We'll, we'll get into this next week and we'll finish this up. But marriage is something that's meant to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Marriage is not something that's supposed to be endured Marriage is supposed to be something that we enjoy, something that we love, something that we look forward to. That's the way God designed marriage. And the reason that marriages get off of that course, the reason that marriages are not wonderful, the reason that marriages are not beautiful, the reason that they're being endured instead of being enjoyed, is because we've gotten off of God's original design for marriage. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, next week when we finish up with this lesson. All right? Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed for the next service. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the blessing that you give us so much in the Bible about what marriage should be and how, we should, how our marriages should be uh, uh, constructed and conducted. And, and boy, every one of us, every one of us can make improvements in our marriage. We can make improvements to ourselves, and that'll help us to improve the marriage to what you want it to be. So I pray that you help us, God, as we go through this series over these next few weeks. Uh, that we'd be engaged, that we'd be open-minded and open-hearted to the Word of God and what it has to say about what we ought to do. And God, I pray that you'd be pleased with every single one of us, every marriage that's represented in this room this morning. And God, that um, our marriages will thrive for the glory of God. 
Pray that you'd be with the service in the next hour, that you'd bless, that, that we would do everything to bring glory and honor to you. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.